Welcome to Maximize Your Influence, your resource for the top persuasion, influence, and negotiation techniques that will help you maximize your success in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, Kurt Mortensen and Steve Olson. Welcome to another episode of Maximize Your Influence. Steve Olson here with Kurt Mortensen, coming at you with episode number 38. We are excited to get into the topic that we have today because it's timely with some of the things that have been happening in the news. We'll talk about that later because we have a huge blunder, possibly the most hated man in America right now. Um, <laughs> even if you disagree with what he did, you can't say that he did it the right way. So we'll get to that. That's going to be a fun one. Kurt, what's going on? Hey, feeling good. Join all the feedback from our listeners out there, and I think we need to take a look at our list of the amount of people we've offended, but for the most part, we're on track and feeling good. Haven't we skipped a few episodes? I mean, don't we need to make up for some I lost was, time there? I was trying to think who was on the We Offended You list last week. I'm sure we'll offend people today, but <laughs> just with the blunder and everything. So if you're from a country that hasn't been offended yet, please let us know at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com, and we'll make sure we'll put you on the top of To Be Offended list. If you're from a country that hasn't been offended yet, it's because you're too insignificant for us to offend. Boom, how's that? <laughs> there you go. I think you just offended about 30% of our listeners. Yeah. One shot. It's a blanket offense, a nuclear offense. So <laughs> got you all. Speaking of nuclear, you know, I was looking at the stats for the show. We've got lots of people listening from the Islamic Republic of Iran. I don't get it. I would like to know if is that government officials or is that people in the streets? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is or if it's just spammers or hackers or if it's actually real people listening to the show. But you have obviously United States, Canada, and then places like Mexico and, and Brazil. And I, I think a couple of European countries are all, you know, the top. And then you've just got Iran sitting there at like number six. It's so weird to see that apparently, at least at a very minimum, some hackers in Iran really like to try to hack the show. Well, that means we better pack our bags and go do a seminar in Iran. I think so. <laughs> I think that would go swimmingly. If you saw the movie Argo, it just makes you really excited to go visit Iran. Think you need a passport to get to Iran? <laughs> Visa, maybe? I don't know. But we can offend them all we want because it's not like they can come here and come after us, right? I don't know. They might have their networks. <laughs> well, rumor has it they do. How's it going, NSA? We hope you're enjoying the show, too. That's because... right. We're Now we're on the radar because we said the word Iran, and now everything's going to be monitored from here on out. <laughs> now, the, now the NSA is going to be most of our statistics for listening to the show, yeah. Which That's is good because I've had some NSA people say, we need some of your training. So <laughs> now they can monitor us and get trained all at the same time. Absolutely. You know, I can see that new data center right out my front door. <laughs> yeah well you could just get us on the radar but then we're doing free government training and that's maybe we should get paid for our training for nsa maybe we should but you're assuming the government has money to pay yeah it's true yeah that's a problem well a little bit of a rant there got off topic and it didn't involve food congratulations to us i needed to uh step up and take my lashings here because i did not put on the link to the blog last week the link to the Advanced Influence course that we were going to be doing a sale on. So I'm going to do that. I know I well, said that last week. <laughs> yeah, you did say that. So it's already expired and done. Do we have to extend it? Is that what you're saying? 
Well, not like <laughs> I have any authority to say what gets extended here. I mean, I blew it. So This is the Advanced University Special, right? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Yeah. So I was going to tell you, Kurt, apparently I wasn't sold enough on it in my subconscious to even remember to do it. So you better talk about why this is so awesome. Basically, I've taken the best of the best and created a 52-week program that involves audios, videos, PDFs, application guides, how to do it all together. And the great thing is we've digitized it. So this is the best of the best. You can go as fast or as slow as you want. You get to download the whole thing, and that's what's great. It's not the physical product. It's 85% off because it's gone digital. And we'll, we'll put a link in there. I guess we'll extend the time for our listeners because it wasn't posted. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, you can read up on it. I'm excited about it. It's the best of the best. Mapped everything out. Because some people want a, the structure of week by week. And some people just want to learn the different topics as they go. And this system allows people to do both. I think that when it comes to persuasion, it's very important to address it on a regular basis. Because persuasion is a soft skill right? You learn how to ride a bike and that's something that sticks with you for quite a while. But persuasion, if you don't keep learning, if you don't develop it, it goes away. You get rusty and spreading the course out over 52 weeks so that you have something you're getting exposed to every week. You can work on it and make it a habit. I mean, that's how you can really move the needle with a lot of stuff that we're talking about on the show. You can possibly just take all this stuff and apply it right away. You got to decide, okay, for this week, I'm going to make this technique a habit. And wow, if you do that for a year, think how many different persuasion tools you've added to your arsenal. That's pretty good. And that's a key factor is add a tool until it becomes natural. Once it becomes natural and part of you, then you can add a, another tool. And you're right about the rusty thing, whether it's giving persuasive presentations. If I'm doing it every week, man, I'm solid. I'm good. I can persuade almost anybody. But if I haven't done it for a month or so, six weeks or so, all of a sudden, that rust kicks in. So it doesn't matter how much you know what you've done. you got to redo it every week, think it through, revitalize yourself. It makes a huge difference. Agreed. Agreed. So I will not be a slacker, and I'll make sure I get that link up on the blog so that if you'd like to take advantage of that, you certainly can do so because we'd love to have you and we think it's great information. That's why we're here. That's why we do this. So good. Well, maximizeyourinfluence at gmail.com is the email address that we appreciate your feedback at. We appreciate your comments and your suggestions about the show. Uh, in a minute, I'm going to ask you to send some feedback there about a different topic that I think you'll find somewhat entertaining. And also, we really, really need reviews on iTunes. If you're subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, so the, the podcast automatically downloads to your iPhone, your iPod, your iPad, your, your iThing, okay, just log in with your iTunes account and click leave review when you've got Maximize Your Influence, the podcast up there. That helps us get more and more people listening to the show. And I assume if you're listening to this, you think that the show has at least some use. And as I mentioned last week, the only reason you wouldn't leave feedback is if this is your Super secret, and you don't want anybody else to know about it. So I guess that would be kind of a compliment to us, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, get get the word out. Lead us some great feedback, and we'd really appreciate it. Yep, yep. That would be fantastic. And if you're having trouble, I've got an article here today. So Kurt's got the week off on the geeky article moment. So I will step up and do my best to be geeky. And probably the kind of people that are interested in this article one could argue that they are geeky as well, right? So we're going to offend dorky guys who need romantic advice with this article from Psychology Today entitled Four Ways Men Can Woo Women. And I'm just being a little bit sarcastic there. 
Who knows? Maybe these are good points. There are is four that points. Is the scientific term woo? Yes, is it is. Woo woo or woo? Well, she has a PhD. Okay, so we'll consider woo the scientific term for what? You, uh, I don't know. <laughs> okay, there you woo go. Woo women, attract women. We'll let the women. article define it. How's that? We'll let the article define it, yeah. <laughs> if you would put it into slang, you know, four ways men can get game. That's how we could say it, right? So go. I'm not even going to try to say her name. For some reason, I have a knack for picking articles where the author's name is from uh, some crazy country that I have yet to offend on the show. So I'll post a link to it on the blog. But like I said, four ways men can woo women. And women listeners, if we have not offended you yet and you're still listening to the show, we would certainly love to hear from you at MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com if these things are likely to work. Now, maybe it's subconscious. Maybe it's already worked on you before. But uh, we want to hear from you on it. Okay? Ready for the first one, Kurt? Yeah, give it to me. Number one, be nice. <laughs> wow, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. That's... Is this going to be like, do we need a special sound effect that goes, uh, duh. Uh, duh. <laughs> People would take issue with this, though. They joke about it in movies, how the bad boy always gets the girl. And the nice guys, they never do. That they try, and, and women just don't want them. They want to be with the bad guy because they can fix them, right? <laughs> mm, there you go. Yeah, but she's quoting some studies and that say that men who display generosity and kindness tend to be more attractive to women as long-term mates. So if you're a jerk, stop it, guys. That's apparently yeah. not going to get it done. I agree. And the challenge here, too, is a lot of guys think they're nice and they're not coming across that way. It might be too transparent, so there's some issues there, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's go to the next one. And I think this one works really well. Unfortunately, it's not going to work on all women because it's not possible. But number two is be nice to children. Mm. That works, especially if it's the uh, the woman's children. I mean, that. Uh, yeah, if you're locking their, their kids in the closet and <laughs> or tripping them or uh, roughhousing, whatever it is. Yeah, there could be some issues there because... That's an extension of them, and there could be definite challenges there. Yeah. There's a little interesting quote here from the article. It says, Consider an experiment which demonstrates this finding in overarching fashion. It took place at the patio of a bar where a male confederate, i.e. an undercover researcher, just so happened to run into his quote-unquote sister, who was also a female confederate or an undercover researcher, and her baby. In one condition, the male confederate paid attention to the baby, but in another condition, he ignored him. Minutes later, and now alone, the male confederate approached a young woman who was perched near his table and asked her for her phone number. The results were striking. When the confederate paid attention to the baby, he racked up a substantially more uh, bigger list of phone numbers from the women than when he ignored the baby. <laughs> You know, it sounds like something George Costanza would do. Rent a baby <laughs> and try to go pick up women. But anyway, for you Seinfeld fans. George just, totally would rent a baby. You're right. He wore a wedding ring just to pick up women. So obviously this would be another one, a whole other business, rent a baby to make yourself more attractive to women. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was a movie with Adam Sandler a while back, too, where he would wear a wedding ring around on purpose. And it apparently just got massive results for him. So it would go with the whole, the women want the bad guy. They want somebody who's unavailable and that's a project, I guess, apparently. But if you can call a guy with a wedding ring on a project, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ready for number three? Bring it. Be creative. Right? So the research is demonstrating that qualities such as intelligence, humor, and artistic talents are highly attractive to women. They may be a function of quote-unquote sexual selection. <laughs> well, interesting there. I probably wouldn't have put that one there, but that's an interesting take. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got to read this because these studies are really interesting. Here's one for you too. Consider the findings of a study in which 300 young women were solicited for their phone number on the street by a young male confederate in one of three conditions. One, holding a guitar case. Two, holding a sports bag. Or three, holding nothing. What did the investigator find? The male confederate collected more phone numbers when he was holding a guitar case than either the sports bag or nothing. That's pretty crazy. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this one's the most off the wall, number four, okay? And I, uh, people will call me a jerk because I'm not necessarily one of these. Number four is be a dog lover. <laughs> I know, I know, this is crazy, but apparently this... Not a cat lover, results. but a dog lover. That's what it's saying, right? If you're a cat lover, I mean, isn't that just creepy? <laughs> well, there you just offended all our cat lovers, but for some people, yes. Well, they had it coming, if you ask me. <laughs> I can have a cat. Right? Yeah, that's okay. But everybody knows. I mean, the more cats you have, it's just exponentially linked to craziness, is not? I agree. That's but what if I invite someone over and I'm trying to woo them and I show them a pet snake? Would that have the same effect? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about word choice here in a minute, <laughs> which I think is more of your problem than, than the snake. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, yeah, apparently I'm not going to go into more detail on that one, but uh, being a dog lover... Uh, they have some studies here on the article that apparently link that statistically to being more attractive as a mate, better option to select. So this is a pretty funny article. I'm going to post it on the blog, and uh, you can check it out for yourselves. And if you are lacking skills, then you can employ the use of the article by the doctor's name, who I cannot pronounce. Dr. So-and-so. Dr. So-and-so. The very distinguished Dr. So-and-so. And we appreciate her article that uh, she wrote for us. So... Let's get into the rest of the show, shall we? Let's do it. We have just made a brutal onslaught at offending listeners. We're going to actually try to deliver some value now, which is the reason, at least that we think, that you come listen to the show, not just to be offended. So those of you that don't know, Kurt wrote a pretty good book. Actually, he's written a few, uh, a few pretty good books. And this one is called The Laws of Charisma. And there is a, a section of it that talks about verbal packaging that we have mentioned before on the show. But it's all about word choice. It's not what we say, but how we say it. I've done business with people before that could take something just so completely ridiculous about their product or their business or their service and say it in a way that just made you go, okay, I I'm, I'm in on that. That sounds great. But if you said it in regular words, nobody in their right mind would ever buy that product. That's the gift of gab. That's being able to say it in the right way and get people excited about it. And in your book, Kurt, you break that down into a couple of different pieces that we wanted to talk about today. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. This is a big factor, especially now that we're doing more via email. We do a lot over the phone. Our word choice, the way we say things, the way we package things is a critical factor. In fact, every word you use will either attract or repel the person you talk to, whether it's an email, whether it's sales copy, whether it's a presentation. And most people don't even think about the words they say. They just tend to vomit on people and will say some things that actually repel their prospect. That's true. And the most basic concept of this is just the choice of the words that you're going to use. And that sounds really obvious, kind of like the whole be nice point in the Wooing Women article that we just talked about. But I've fallen into this trap many times where I get in the habit of using certain words when, when you're in the habit of giving a specific pitch 
And, uh, you know, bad words kind of creep in there, not profanity, although that has been known to happen to me, (laughs) but words that just don't have the persuasion punch that you need to have. What would be some of those or what words should we try and avoid? Well, there's a long list depending on your profession, but some simple ones right at the front. We don't say contract or sign the contract. It's okay, the paperwork, endorse this. I mean, sign the contract versus okay, the paperwork. You can feel the difference between those. If they ask about the cancellation, it's the right of rescission. It's not, are you on commission? We'll say, well, there's a fee built in for my services. It's not credit card. It's form of payment. You're not the most expensive. You're top of the line. You're not the cheapest. You're the most economical. And a lot of companies get phone calls. Hey, I'm interested in your product. And the receptionist will say something like, great, let me transfer you to sales. Mm-hmm. And that brick wall comes up before they've even talked to somebody because they don't want to be sold, but they would love to talk to a consultant or a customer service representative or any of those much more than a salesperson. And here's one that's getting on the radar too is the word appointment. Well, let's set an appointment. And that's a bad trigger word because we think of doctors and waiting and hours at two hours. Hey, a time to visit, stop by is much softer and it makes a difference. Depends on the industry and the words that you use. Even the government, if you watch the words that they use, it's amazing. They don't say tax increase. They say it's a revenue enhancement. You're like, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's not recession. It's an accelerated negative growth. They're not poor people. They're fiscal unachievers. (laughs) All right? Yeah. Well, it's not a pothole. It's just pavement deficiency. It wasn't a riot. It was a civil disorder. And... My favorite, what police use, well, we had to use some legal intervention, which means you've been shot by the police. Nice, nice. Yeah. Here's to hoping that you don't get legal intervention in your life. I think, too, Kurt, you could use that stuff. You're talking about your own product, and you're using the verbal packaging that you're talking about there. But if the competition comes up and you need to address them when you're talking about the competition, of course, you would use those kinds of words. You'd say, well, yeah, Bob down the street, the competitor, you know, his contract that he's going to make you sign is going to, and then you use the horrible words. But when you're talking about engaging your product or service, say, yep, we'll just okay the paperwork and off we go. It sounds so much softer and so much easier to do. Well, absolutely. Even the word but, which is a bad persuasive word because it negates everything in front of it. It's a great a product because of this, this, and this, but you've negated all that. But if you want to talk about your product and negate some of the things that they're bringing up, you can use it strategically, whether it be for a competitor yourself, if you're thinking it through and understand how the words work. The main thing here is every word that you use in communication across the board will attract or repel people. Yeah. So tell me about the rate of speech. We've gone from word choice to how fast you're speaking. When should we speak faster? When should we speak slower? How is that effectively used in in persuasion? This is a hard one for people to grasp the rate because we're talking about the whole verbal picture here, the whole verbal packaging. Basically, when you look at charisma or any type of influence, and this is hard for people to understand, the faster you speak, the more persuasive you are. And people are like, well, that's like the proverbial fast-talking salesperson. When I'm talking about rate, you need to speed up and slow down and have your pauses. But I'm talking about the overall average rate. USC did a study where they took commercials and increase the rate of speech and embedded them in a radio type scenario. And the faster it was, the more persuasive it is. Now, you don't want that fast, monotone, fast speaking that you hear on the pharmaceutical commercials. They do that because they don't want you to listen. But your overall rate, the first thing I do when I train presenters is speed up, speed up, speed up, speed up. But it doesn't sound like you're going fast. And the reason you do that, it increases energy, it increases your passion. And the best thing 
it gives your audience less time to think of counter arguments because they're more focused with what you're saying. Mm, that's a really good point. I had never heard that before. It is. And that's the main thing. If you're slow, because we can speak on average about 150 to 180 words per minute. Our brain can cruise at 400 to 800 words per minute. And if we're squirrel, right, thinking of other things, what am I going to eat? Oh, yeah, they're talking. If you had that energy and that passion, that enthusiasm, that rate that you have to focus and pay attention, you are not going to lose them. And, and it's easier to influence them. That's funny. I've listened to personal financial management gurus before talking about how to better save and how to better invest money. And many of them talk about how you need to have a job, you need to work a lot because, duh, you'll make more money. And even more, duh, you have less time to spend all the money you're making because you're always working. <laughs> and so this is kind of analogous to that in the fact that if the information is coming at the prospect faster, they have to process, they have to understand it, and they can't sit there and linger and get stuck on things and try to think of objections. Exactly. That's good. That's good. Tell me about vocal fillers because I use them. I use them on the podcast, right? I use them all the time. They creep in on you. They're pretty sneaky. They are sneaky. And a few here and there, we all use them. Not that big of a deal. But you've talked to people before. It's like a nice stab in you every time the um, er, uh, you know, like, dude. Okay, all of those can be vocal fillers. We have to be careful. And everyone underestimates how many vocal fillers they actually use because it's the way your brain thinks. It thinks from segment to segment. And when there's a pause, when there's space, when there's silence, it's um, er, uh. Most people have no idea that they're using them. Again, a few here and there, not a big deal, but I'm telling you, vocal fillers decrease your credibility and hurt your ability to influence. What about pitch and inflection? Pitch is a level of your voice frequency. And when you have a high pitch, you're judged as nervous, excited, or vulnerable. But a low pitch tends to show more strength and confidence and assurance. So lower voices are actually more credible. Some things we can fix, some things we can't, but a high pitch is not credible. We found study after study, lower the pitch, the more credible, the more trustworthy you become. And of course, inflection is when you alter the pitch or tone of your voice. And also when you inflect up at the end of a sentence, it almost becomes a question. The pilot said, oh, we're going to have a safe flight today. <laughs> It'd probably make you a little nervous. Oh, versus, are we? <laughs> Hello, we're going to have a safe flight today. Yeah, Even yeah. newscasters are trained to inflect downward. Pilots are trained to inflect downward because there's more confidence in that. And that's some things we don't even think about. To sometimes every time we make a statement, it sounds like a question. You lose credibility and nobody wants to be influenced by you. That's true. I mean, you think about what if newscasters, they always trail that vocal, that tone down at the end of the sentence. So they'd say, there was a five-car pileup on I-47 today. Or if they said, there was a five-car pileup on I-47 today? And you're exactly. watching the news going, I don't know, was there? I'm yeah, not really you're, sure. You're supposed to tell me. Why are you, why are you asking me that question? And yeah. you'd be amazed. And that's why it's so important as we talk about verbal packaging, record yourself. Leave yourself a voicemail. Do these things. Is it painful? Yeah. Do you sound like that? Yeah, you do. That's you, deal, yep. Deal with it. That is you. It sounds different to you because how it resonates in your head and all those bones in your head and your ears, but it is you. Deal with it. I know it's easier not to, but if you want to take your influence to the next level, this is a big piece. Anytime you're going to be saying something in your pitch or, or whatever, it's coming out of your mouth where the prospect could have reason to question it, that's when you want to turn that vocal tone down, right? I mean, you'd say... You know, the fact is we have the best product on the market today. You're going down instead of, we have the best product on the market today, right? That's just a shrill. It's not certain. People aren't going to like it. But somebody who can keep it together and turn that tone downward 
wow, what that does to the subconscious mind and, and your prospects subconscious receiving it as a fact that really isn't open for debate because that just builds on itself throughout the presentation and it's building a building. It's little bricks and they come together all the time and boom, you've got a building there. You've persuaded somebody. I think that's a very good technique. It is. And most people just don't think about it. They're so concerned about the content of their presentation or the PowerPoint of their presentation versus really understanding that delivery is a big piece of the influence. Even more important than your slide. You know, content's important, but it's not going to matter if they have a subconscious trigger when you're inflecting up or you're using focal fillers or you're using the wrong words. It's going to feel all wrong on the inside and they're not going to like you and trust you and never do business with you. Right, right. Well, we're getting a little short on time. I want to do one more of these. If you want to get the rest, wink, wink, might I suggest <laughs> the Advanced Influence series Kurt talked about. There you go. Assuming I post it, I've got to dig yeah, out of that hole. Yeah, i got to post it this time. That would be part of the formula. Yeah, sometimes it's not objections or things like that. It's just pure idiocy that could lead to lack of sales, right? In this case, maybe <laughs> I should be the blunder. Hey, there's your blunder. Yeah. You are the blunder. Hey, mention something that's for sale and don't give anybody a way to get it. Yeah, <laughs> give me a homer right there, would you? All right, homer it is. Don't! Bingo. All right. Well, let's do one more of these. Let's get into silence. How do you strategically use silence to your advantage when persuading? The key factor, and they call this, and I don't know why they call it a pregnant pause, but anytime you're talking and you pause, it brings people in. It gives them a chance to feel the emotion. It gives them a chance to laugh. It gives them a chance to comprehend what you're talking about. Pauses create attention, emphasis, and kind of establish that mood. And sometimes the right word is no word, which could be silence, which could be that pause that makes a huge difference. And people don't think about it. They don't give them a chance to really pause, especially at that moment you're making the most important point. You want everyone to take attention. You'd be amazed what a three, four, five-second pause will do as far as grabbing people's attention, and then you can hammer that point home. That's true. That's, it just makes them come in much more. If he's paused, he must be thinking. He must be putting together a really profound thought that's taking some time, so I better listen, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, somebody who should have paused is our blunder for the week. I was blunder light. Now we're going blunder heavy. Cue the homer up for us, Kurt. <laughs> All right, we'll have a three homers this time. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, there it is. Give him another one. I mean, this is bad. Give him another homer. All right, homer, go. Don't, don't, don't. <laughs> All right, Kurt faithfully manning the switchboard, uh, of which we have two sound effects on, I think. It's because I'm, I'm Homer-esque. Homer-esque. Oh, boy. That's verbal <laughs> packaging. Well, if you have not been living in a cave, you're aware that the owner of the Los Angeles Clippers, one Donald Sterling, recently got himself into a little bit of trouble by making some uh, horribly racist remarks about African Americans. I haven't looked at uh, the average uh, racial makeup of the NBA rosters these days, but I'm guessing it leans that way a little bit. I would say it's, uh, I think it was, the number I had was 75%. 75%, that sounds about right. We're going to go ahead and call that a bad business decision. There's nothing illegal about saying these kinds of things or thinking these kinds of things. But uh, there's also the public court of stupid, which Donald Sterling will be found guilty in that court. And uh, you got to wonder what's going to happen to his business. You know, the players are got to go to work. They've got to go out there and uh, play their best. But 
They've already done things like turning their jerseys inside out and wearing black socks and wristbands and things like that. Not happy playing for the management here. I think even though it's a very unfortunate situation, it's going to be interesting to see what this guy ultimately is going to be forced to do. Some people think that next year he's going to be the owner of the Clippers and it's going to be business as usual. Other people think he's going to be shamed into selling or taking a step back. I don't know. What do you see happening to this guy, Kurt? Well, that's a huge blunder, obviously. I don't know what his intent was or where his brain was, but all the way around it was wrong and should never have happened. And, you know, you could say there's freedom of speech, but things will happen. There's the court of public opinion. And if they say that's wrong, that shouldn't happen, he shouldn't have a team, things are going to happen. I think you will see probably a lot of the owners coming together and forcing him out. There's just something when you say stupid things like that. I mean, you look at, it was, I think we mentioned this before, Kramer, who, who wasn't able to do comedy anymore because he yeah. went racial. Michael there's Richards, just, uh-huh. Yeah, there's just certain things that, again, I don't know where his brain is, what's going on, what's happening there. It's just a big mess. But this is where you get, he can say, well, I have freedom of speech. Well, you do. You said it. But there are consequences. Yeah, there are. And when it gets out there and everyone weighs in, there are certain things that are going to happen. So I do think that people are going to get together and force him out and something's going to happen because that's a huge blunder and it should never have happened. When he says those type of things, it's going to destroy his image, which it has. It's going to destroy the franchise. There's nothing positive about this. Yeah, it's really bad. You know, even if you're not uh, a racist like this Donald Sterling guy, you have to be so careful in today's day and age because virtually anything that you say or do can be captured on video or online. And we've seen, for example, employers start looking at people's Facebook and pro and uh, Twitter profiles when they're considering hiring them and something that you said half joking or totally drunk or whatever it was (laughs) is on there and people are judging you for it. So everything is being captured. We're always on display. Now it used to be that I'm reverting back into persuasion here that you could go talk to your prospects and you could put on a show and, and you could be a totally different person when you got in the car and left or when you were done for the day. But Wow, you it just really pays off to be a, a good, respectable person all the time now. <laughs> that's that's probably some uh, pretty generic advice, but you know, just don't be an idiot and be respectful of other people and do it all the time. I think that's a, a good way to live your life and and a way to avoid these kinds of things cuz who knows if uh, your mistress has got a tape recorder in her purse. There you go. And in <laughs> fact, you know, integrity is a huge issue for this guy. I mean, UCLA study shows that integrity is the number one thing to succeed long-term in business, and obviously he doesn't have that. But also the verbal packaging, like you mentioned, is I could say something completely innocent, and it could be turned and construed and changed, and all of a sudden, oh, I'm a racist, or you're this because you said this. I'm like, I didn't mean that, but well, look at the words, and if you meant this and the inflection here and you did this, we have to be so careful because you could say something completely innocent, and all of a sudden they'll turn it around. Or if you're in the news media, they'll edit something out to make you sound like a racist. There are so many things that could happen. You've got to be really careful. Isn't that what ultimately took Dan Rather down? Something about President George W. Bush and he had doctored a news report. and It wasn't uh, factually accurate. It was taken completely out of context. But that's, you know, we're, we're hearing people gearing up for running for president. You know, it's 2014. We're almost halfway through 2014. And we're going to have to endure another presidential election in 2016. And this is already happening. People are talking about throwing their hat in the ring. And you've got thousands of people that are probably combing through every single audio and video file of these people that are considering running on, on both sides. 
to see what they can take out of context and what they can throw out there to make these people look like a scuzzball. And it's just, uh, wow, I don't know why anybody would willingly get into politics. when you. <laughs> but that's good news for our listeners because that's Blunder Central. We'll have blunders coming in our ears during the next elections. That's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get so tired of those things. I mean, I don't know about you, but by the time the election comes, I'm just going, I don't care who wins. All right. let's just <laughs> make much, it stop it gets to the point like we have how many millions of people and this is who we came up with <laughs> yeah right well and really yeah this yeah is my choice i don't feel like i have much of a choice and there's so many blunders that get so negative and people get so sick of it. it's gonna be interesting where people are pretty fed up it's gonna be interesting when the people revolt and things start to really change yeah well that's what people are gonna have to do that and get sick of how this is being done but i think politics has been absolutely filthy since the beginning of time. And I think we've concluded that Donald Sterling doesn't have a future in politics. He does. And that's interesting because in marketing, negative ads don't work. But for some reason in politics, it's, I don't know what it is. It's just something about everyone going negative so fast. And they say, it's going to be a clean race. Then one person goes negative, then the other person has to go negative. And it's just nasty and dirty. It'd be an interesting study to kind of see why it doesn't work in marketing, but it does work for politics. Certainly does, and it's not going to work for Donald Sterling and his marketing efforts. It's just uh, uh, he's done. Yeah. He will slowly fade away, and someone will buy the team. Shut her down, Donald. I think there's going to be some uh, really stupid comments uh, on the fade out. So he, he's going to be more entertainment value. And if you're a Clippers fan, I'm sorry, a because you're a Clippers fan. I mean, well, if he listens to his PR company, and hopefully he has one or is going to hire one, he will fade away without saying anything. He might have a scripted thing to say but he will slowly fade away if they do it the right way we are supposed to shut her down here but that's an interesting question and you may not have the answer to it say you're donald sterling and you've just committed the blunder of the century i mean this made me have you queue up two sets of homer that says <laughs> a lot right double homer yeah double homer that's pretty bad so he's gonna have to do the speech the the fake apology which everybody knows is just a bunch of bull but does it work anyway? I mean, have the PR people determined that, yeah, look, most people aren't going to like your apology, but you just have to do it. It's better than not doing it. What do you think? Yeah, he has to own up to it. If they do it the right way, they won't have him do a presentation because who knows what's going to happen. It's probably be a written apology. He's going to fade away and things are going to happen to where it slowly goes away. Just with Kramer, Michael Richards, he just kind of, there was apology, faded away. No out in the news, did nothing, did nothing. Now he's slowly making his way back because time kind of erases a lot of those mistakes. Yeah. It doesn't does, forgive him. It, it just slowly erases them and like, all right, let's move on. It heals with that. It happened to Mel Gibson too, right? Mm -hmm. He he had a, a racial faded, rant that he went on. Yeah, He faded away for a while too. Yep, yep. Well, okay, everybody. That's going to do it for episode 38 of Maximize Your Influence. Thanks for listening. We always appreciate your great feedback. Send it to MaximizeYourInfluence at gmail.com. Questions, comments, ladies, if you want to weigh in on the article by the doctor whose name I could not pronounce about whether there is any credence to the the wooing, as we talked about before, please let us know. And like I said, leave us feedback and uh, feel free to check out the blog. We're going to try to make spice the blog up a little bit with better descriptions of the show because we know some people just read and uh, we got we to gotta address that. So, Kurt, anything else before we shut her down for the day? Just remember, every word you use will attract or repel your prospect. And with that, we'll see you next week. All right, thanks. Thanks.